Amen. Amen. Hey, this is like really exciting. Um, you know, Pastor Gary in Roman uh, Revelations chapter two, which is also where I'm where I'm at Revelations chapter two. So I'm not preaching on verse seven though. It's one through six. So he picked up, you know, where I'm finishing. So maybe he should have done the main message, and I should have done the intro. <laughs> It's great to have everybody here. You said one, one, and six. Uh, one through six. Revelation oh. chapter two, verses one through six. It's great to have it. Gary Nicole, good to have you here on a Sunday. Hey, we had a, yeah. So we've had a great time uh, with this couple soul winning here on Saturdays. We're out here and it was awesome. Here at the 611 Cafe, there was a metal concert. And uh, Kaylee and Donna, right, they talked to one of the lead musicians over there who is a believer. His name Ira? Yeah, and he's a believer, you know, and uh, he's interested in coming to church. His friend is having back surgery next week. Uh, oh, he is. Ian's having back surgery next week, so just be praying for him. Uh, he has my phone number, so pray that he calls and we can visit him. But we talked to a lot of people. Todd, I'm thinking of Todd, I'm thinking of Al. I'm thinking of uh, a guy named Donna who has cancer. I mean, just right here in their neighborhood, right where we are, there is so much opportunity to invest in people's lives. And, you know, it's awesome because here we are, and we're like nobodies, right? I mean, really we are. I mean, maybe some of you are somebodies. But I'm a nobody. You know, yeah. What? You're a somebody? Who are you? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Like, we're nobodies, right? But God uses us to um, God uses us to bring the Spirit of the Lord to them, and through that, like it's amazing because we become a, almost a somebody, right? Like we get to carry this little gold vessel and deliver it to somebody, and they're like, "What is this? This is the gospel. What is that? It's going to change your life." Amen. It was so amazing because we knocked on on Todd's door <laughs> yesterday, and uh, he's like, "Okay, what do you want?" And I'm like, hey, we're just from the local church. And he's like, okay. And we were a little bit taken off guard because he was so open to talk to us. We actually didn't know what to tell him. <laughs> we're so used to people saying like, yeah, I'm okay. I don't need the gospel. I'm fine. But he was like, okay, so what is the gospel? I'm like, oh, oh. Uh. So Stephen started preaching to him. <laughs> started in his Bible in Romans chapter 8, you know. And, but he was open ears, and he really enjoyed it. It was amazing. And that was yesterday evening we were here. We didn't leave here until, I think, 8.30 or so, 9 o'clock, just sharing the gospel. It was a lot of fun. So let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. And this is like what I want to talk about today. And each one of us, I think this is so important. Like, what is our identity with God? We go through life uh, struggling with that, actually, that question, who am I, right? So as your child, often your friends that you hang out with define who you are. Later on in life, you grow up and, and all of a sudden now the college defines who you are. Then your job defines who you are. And we're constantly trying to redefine our identity. And depending on what our identity is, we're also trying to uh, evaluate the fact is whether we're accepted or whether we're not accepted. And this is interesting because if this is your identity, then you're struggling to be accepted in this identity, but you're always going to be excluded from another group, right? 
I mean, we see that today. It's like, and this is like an interesting conversation to have because the world is talking about their identity. They're talking about their pronouns and please correct, you know, and they're talking about all these different things. But the Bible has a lot to say about our identity and whether we're accepted or whether we're not accepted. And I wanted to actually, this was interesting and it's at the end of my notes, but it says the word accepted means three things. It means that I am received, I am regarded, and I am understood. Okay, I am received, I am regarded, and I am understood. So you think about one group, you know, we'll just use the metal guys, you know, from last night because we were there, and they were there. You know, are they being received? You know, in their own group, if I want to be a metal guy, am I going to be received? And what do I have to do to be received? And there's something I have to do, right? I mean, I went up to them with a gospel track, you know, and, you know, shorts, t-shirt, and a hat backwards. Didn't look anything like them. I went up to them with a gospel track. And the question is, is are they going to receive me? And in their group, it is very obvious that you're going to be received. You have to abide by these certain social rules. Then the next thing happens. Am I regarded? Now I'm no longer, I'm, I'm, I'm being received but I'm also being um, regarded, meaning my opinion has influence in this community. Now, what I say to this group of people has weight. What I say in this group, you know, is valuable to somebody and it's helping this group, you know, go forward. And last thing is that I am understood. That meaning this, like, I am received my opinion has value, but even in my troubles, that somebody understands me in my group. And in a social level, this is what everybody is yearning and longing for. They are trying to do these things over and over and over again. And if you have an identity crisis, you're trying to redefine your acceptance. And that's what so many people are trapped in today. So in Revelation chapter 2, this is what we're going to talk about. Starting in verse uh, 1, it says, to the, to the angel of the church of Ephesus writes these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. You know, just, you know, side note there, the Spirit of God is in the church. The Spirit of God is walking and he is there. And here this lampstands talks about the different churches, right? And the Spirit of God is there walking in the midst so we can say today, using the Bible, this verse and others, there's two or more gathered, the Spirit of God is here. Okay? So we are gathered in the name of Jesus. This is, and this is interesting, verse 2. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and, and are not." And have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for not my namesake and have not become weary. Now if we were just to stop there, talking about this church in Ephesus, which we heard is in, in Turkey. God has some good things to say to them, doesn't he? I mean, let's go through the, through the list. You know, he has a list in Revelations of the activities that in our mind affects in a positive way their identity before God. 
He says that they have good works. You know, in, in a community, uh, we are, what are we looking for? We are looking for people who are adding to the community. We're looking for people who are doing good things for the community. We are looking, and that has, it's the same even in our own congregation here. In the body of Christ, you know, is somebody adding? Is somebody doing something good? You know, and here it says they are. They are, they are patient. They bear no evil. They try false teachers. They have fruits. And if we were to add to this list, we could add a lot of things, right? They read their Bible. They pray. Think about good things that you would expect a Christian to do. Come to church. <laughs> the more you come to church, the more accepted you might be, right? We can start listing off these things. And we start looking through the Bible and we begin to see what God thinks about these lists. I was thinking today of Jesus when he was on the earth. Who did he choose? Galileans, right? Fishermen. You ever hung out with fishermen? Anybody from the, from the, sh- the shore? Yeah, n- okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm from the uh, northeast coast. I'm from Maine. When you're on the ocean, it smells. When you're on a lobster boat, it smells. The most stinky place I've ever been is the fishing boats in Thailand, in Bangkok, Thailand. Some of the worst smells you'll ever smell in your whole entire life. There's just fish everywhere, dead fish floating in the water. I mean, it is disgusting. And this is who Jesus chose to be his disciples. He chose Isaac, the second born, over Ishmael. He chose Jacob the deceiver over the firstborn Esau. He chose King David, who was the youngest of 11 sons, over others. We could go on and on, and we could look through the Bible, and we could say, this is who God chose? Really? This is who God chose? And we find very quickly... To be accepted in the beloved, we're going to look at that in Ephesians chapter 1. To be accepted in the beloved, it has nothing to do with my works. It has nothing to do with my patience. It has nothing to do with my ability to bear evil. It has nothing to do with my ability to uh, try false teachers or to have fruits, to read my Bible, to come to church, to pray. My acceptance in the Lord has nothing to do with that. Because let's finish Revelation chapter 2. What does he say? Nevertheless. Amazing, huh? Nevertheless, I have something against you because you have left your first love. I have something against you. How many times in the Bible do you read where God has something against, you know, somebody? It's interesting because it's not a lot. It's not a lot. Here we, here we have, there is a list of activities that we think is going to affect our relationship with God in a positive way. We work so hard and we, and we come to church, we dress nice, we read our Bible and we think, this is going to get me closer to God. But God is telling the church in Ephesus, you have left your first love. Deuteronomy chapter 7, I love this verse. Verse 7. It says, Lord did not set his love or choose you because you were more 
in number than any other people talking to Israel here. For you were the least of all people. Think about that. The Lord has set his love on Israel. The Lord has chosen Israel to be a a nation. Why did God do that? In, In our application, we could say the same thing to the church in Ephesus. The Lord has set his love on the church in Ephesus. The Lord has chosen the church in Ephesus to be used by God. Why did that happen? Well, Deuteronomy says, not because you are a great people. In verse 8 says, but because the Lord loves you. And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out of the mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of king of Egypt, Pharaoh. See, in the kingdom of God, it is so different. And we forget that, and most of us, I believe here, we are all believers, and we have this understanding that I need to mature, and I need to grow in Christ. And I understand that. But sanctification is so different than acceptance. And we could talk about sanctification, actually, and we could argue the fact that it has more dependency upon God than not. Even our own sanctification is out of our hands sometimes. It is all up to God. Because here's the thing, if God has decided not to set his love upon us, then we are in trouble. But he says that he has set his love upon us. Two things here. Left in, in Revelation chapter 2. What does it mean to leave? You know, and I, I want to go slowly through this here. It means that, they, that at some point in their walk with God, that they made a decision to send the Spirit and dismiss the Spirit of God. That's what it means to leave. That there, it wasn't like right here in, in Revelation 2, verse 4, where, okay, now that you are doing this, it happened now. No, no, it happened some time ago. And you made the decision to, and the word is to leave, doesn't mean that I am walking away from God. That can happen in our life, right? We can walk away from God. The word leave means that I am in God's kingdom, or I could say this, I am in the presence of God. Here's a building, here's a church, and this could happen, and it's happening today to many churches, where this is a church, we are the people of God, yet I push the Spirit of God away. So now what happens? I am here only in function, not in form. I am functioning as a believer. I am in the church. I am in the place of the believer. I am sitting and saying amen to the message. And I am nodding my head and I am praising the Lord. Yet what I am really doing is I am pushing away the Spirit of God. But he draws it even more important that we're not only pushing away the Spirit of God, but we're pushing away their first love. Now, this is so important for us to understand, okay? So what does it mean by love? I want to read this definition. It is a love that does not need or require emotional, verbal, or physical response in return. See, God's love doesn't need or require my emotional, physical, or verbal response. The object is loved unconditionally, disregarding response or rejection. 
this love wills to initiate a relationship, to show kindness and self-sacrifice, regardless of whether the object of the love is worthy or even likable. Isn't that amazing? Let me read that again. This love wills to initiate a relationship. You know, here is God today, and he wills to initiate a relationship with you. That is God's unconditional love. And you don't even have to respond to it. And God continues to initiate this relationship. He continues to initiate this relationship. We read the Old Testament, we find Israel. They are chosen, but they are disobedient. And what does God do? There is, there is chastisement. He, he punishes them. But there's always that initiation for a relationship to be renewed. You read it in Hosea and other books, you know, the Minor Prophets, where he's saying, this is what's going to happen. But if you turn back to me, it's almost like you're going down the wrong road and you're going to fall off a cliff. But if you turn to me, it's not too late for me to carry you the rest of the way through that, through that storm. You know, God wills to initiate a relationship with us today and to show kindness and self-sacrifice. I love that word, self-sacrifice. God is self-sacrificing. It is beyond the cross. Like we always think about self-sacrifice being only the cross. But you think about yourself today and your spiritual needs. And God is saying that I'm going to initiate and I'm going to be self-sacrificing to you to meet that need today. You know, last night a friend was over at the house and he wanted ice cream. <laughs> and it was 1030 at night. I was like, okay, let's go get ice cream. He says, no, you can take me just to, you know, 7-Eleven and get me ice cream. I'm like, no, no, we're going to go down to the grocery store and we're going to get Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You know, so we had to drive the extra, you know, whatever, a few miles to go to a grocery store that was actually open that late at night because of COVID, things are still shut down early, you know, and, and get him that ice cream. I mean, that is like a small example of like self-sacrifice. You're going beyond what is necessary to meet somebody's needs. Do you think God will do that for us today? Don't you think that God is willing to go the extra mile to meet your spiritual need? I mean, I think he is. I think he is. He, there is nothing that could stop him from meeting your need. I mean, the Apostle Paul says, what can separate us from the love of God? You could say that in a different way because it's the same word, love, agape. What could separate me from God trying to initiate a relationship with me? What could separate me from God showing his kindness and self-sacrificing love for me today? The Apostle Paul goes through like a list of things. At the end, he says nothing. Nothing could ever separate me from God, you know, showing his self-sacrificing love for me. Amen? So what is this love that wills to initiate a relationship? Let's turn to Ephesians. We'll go for a few more minutes. I think you guys gathered that there's some food in the back, right? There's spaghetti. And there's water, and there's salad, and there's coffee, and lollipops. <laughs> you know, Jesse, we had spaghetti on Thursday, too. I know. 
And I said, we're going to have a contest to see who's, who makes the best spaghetti. And she said, there is no contest. You can't, you know, you can't. You've already lost, you know. But you're accepted. <laughs> yeah. I'm like talking, so I can't find my Bible verse here. Revelation, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Stop there for a minute. We are praising to the glory of God and we're praising him for his grace today. So this is the church in Ephesus. This is the very same church that John is talking about in Revelation chapter 2. And listen to what he says. He says this. Praise the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. He has made us accepted in the beloved. So when in Revelation chapter 2 he says you have left your first love, what is he talking about? He's talking about Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, that we are accepted in the beloved. Now this is interesting because I always thought this verse meant that because of the blood of Christ, forgiving my sins, now I am accepted. Meaning that God has taken a sinner and he has made something of the sinner so that now that he can enter into the throne of God. I mean, right? That sounds, sounds good, right? I mean, I think I've said that probably many times myself. But I want to read this, actually, if I can. Yeah, this is what, uh, who says this? This is, uh, Robert says this. He says, the meaning is not endued us with grace. He's not endowed us with grace, nor made us worthy of love. So this is the idea that we have about the grace of God is that it is something that has made us worthy of Christ's sacrifice. It is something that has made us worthy so we can you know, stand before God. Well, this is what he says. He says, but as grace which he freely bestowed, grace is an act of God, is not a state into which he brings us. See, he is saying something very different and. I think I understand it now in this light where we are all human beings. And if we are going to work to be received here, if we are all going to work to be regarded, like our opinion to, be, to have weight here, if we are all going to be understood here in a cultural sense, I have to work for that. I have to maintain my Christianity I have to maintain my sanctification. And the moment that I let my guard down and it is evident that I am still a sinner, that means now my acceptance changes. And that's what happens in a lot of churches. You put on your Sunday clothes and you put on a face because you're trying to be accepted. You sing, you raise your hand, you open your Bible because you're being accepted. You want to be accepted. You're trying to maintain a face where you are okay and you have a walk with God. You th but that's not what this verse is saying. He's not saying that I transformed you and now you are, you know, how does he say it? Now you are made worthy of love. But it is an act of God 
where he bestows grace upon us, and I am a sinner. I am still a sinner today, you know? And I'm not going to be cured until I'm dead. That's the truth. Every one of us is a sinner, and there is no cure to that. One day you will be sanctified and you will be before God and the flesh will be taken away. Yes, we are being sanctified presently where we are learning, where we are you know, maturing in God, where we are learning to take our flesh and beat it into subjection, the Paul says. And we're not giving any place to the devil in our life. We learn to turn off that movie. We learn to put down the bottle. We learn to do these things because of the grace of God in our life, which teaches us to deny ungodliness. Yes, that is all true. But the fact is, is that you are still a human. The fact is, is that you will sin. I will sin. I will do something wrong. You will do something wrong. And does that affect your, you being accepted in the family of God? And the answer should be no. The answer should be no. It doesn't matter who you are. I, I told Milton and Alex yesterday, they said, we don't even believe in God. I said, you're, you're perfect for our church. Because the church isn't a community of people. We're not a country club. We're not a group of people who already believe in God and let's get to heaven. And as long as we're all accepting and socially okay, we can tolerate each other. No. It is a place where people who are unlovable can come and be loved. It is a place, I love that definition of love. Showing kindness and self-sacrifice regardless of whether the object of the love is worthy or even likable. <laughs> Maybe in your flesh, you're not even likable. Isn't that interesting to think about it? Maybe somebody could come into this church and he is not likable. He is not worthy of God's love. And, you know, Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, that is the way you were. You weren't lovable. You weren't likable. But the grace of God, an act of God, has come in and bestowed upon you the love of God, regardless of your condition, regardless of how you acted, regardless of how you, even if you received God, you know, you are received, you are accepted in the beloved because of the work of God, not because of what you have done. So what happens today? When I come into the family of God and when I'm before God alone, I am being received. I mean, could you imagine being some of these men? Peter, one minute says, you are the son of God. Only the spirit has revealed that to you. The next minute you're saying, no, go, you're not going to the cross. And Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. I mean, it's like one minute he's spirit filled and the next minute he's not. How many of you have ever experienced that? You had a revelation of God, and well, that was amazing. You know, and the next minute you're like, you know, you're drooling over sin. You, know, you ever watch a dog, you know, you know, at the foot of a barbecue, just waiting for the hot dog to roll off, like waiting for that hot dog, I'm going to snatch it. Like that's us sometimes with sin. We're sitting there, our tongue hanging out, a little drool. We're waiting to sin. I mean, that is what could happen in our life, right? doesn't matter. Here is David, anointed king. Given a kingdom. He is a man who is called a man after God's own heart. Sleeps with a woman he's not supposed to. Tries to hide it. Do you know what? 
he was still received. God still receives him. It's a hard thing to say and a hard thing to understand. And may that be far from us. But with God, he was received. He suffered for it, didn't he? He did, yeah. You can read about it. He suffered a lot of problems in his life because of his sin. But he was still received by God. In the New Testament, that's what we read about him, is that he was a man after God's own heart. You know, being regarded, meaning that your opinion has weight. Think of Abraham watching Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed. (laughs) You know, God says to the angel, says, should we keep this thing from Abraham? I mean, there's this thing that we're doing, and here is Abraham, our friends. Should I keep that from him? Meaning that his opinion, his thoughts have value in, in, in this decision right here. I mean, and, and here is Abraham. He's bargaining with God. I love it. I love it, you know, that he had the ability to bargain with God because God regarded him in a special way and being understood. You know, you think, what does it say of Jesus? It says he was tempted in all ways, right? He didn't give in to that temptation, but he was tempted in all ways. But he, that happened with him because he could understand how we live. One last verse in closing, John chapter 10. This kind of takes this idea of being accepted and wraps it up into one verse. And it connects well... with Ephesians 1, 6, so what wraps well with John chapter 2. John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I know my own, and my own know me. That seems like a small verse, right? But do you know what it's saying? He's saying, I know my sheep. No. Earlier we have that in Revelations, where that word know is being mentioned, and it's like a, a, a head knowledge. I know your works. There is head knowledge about your works. This is amazing. Listen to this. Here is the church of Ephesus. They have all these amazing things about them, and all God says is that there is knowledge about these works. There is head knowledge about these works. Like, I know. There's, you know, okay, yeah, we see it. But here in, in, in John 10, 14, he says, I know my own, I know my sheep. This word for know is very different because this talks about an intimate relationship that the shepherd has with his sheep. Sometimes my good works, sometimes my Christianity, God knows it, but there's no relationship there. And John is saying, if you are accepted in the beloved, if you are received by me, if you are regarded by me, if you are understood by me, now what happens is that I know you. There is an intimate relationship, which is what love is, right? It is willing a relationship. It is willing to initiate a relationship. Now there is a relationship that you have with me. Completely different 
And you know what? And I want that to be our testimony, where we enter into a place with God where he knows us. I mean, he already knows you because he's God. It's a bunch of information, maybe. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows your name. But do you know what? God God is initiating a relationship with you today where he wants to bring you into a place where he knows you. And And when he knows us, we can know him. And we can have the ability to go before God and bargain with him. Like, hey, God, how about this? If there's 50, would you save the city? No, no? Okay, let's do 45. 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. He keeps going down the line, doesn't he? What number does he stop at? Do you guys remember? 10? Yeah, I thought it, I, th- I think it's 10, right? Yeah, he stops at 10. And that means that his, you know, his nephew that lives in, in there didn't even have a family, his family of 10. <laughs> you know? But it's amazing. It's amazing today. So let that be the one thought that we walk away. If you don't remember anything that I said, remember that. That God wills to have a relationship with you. He wants to initiate a relationship. And I pray, thank you guys for coming. Thanks for being patient with us as we, you know, start Sunday services. We'll be here every week, every Thursday. You know, be patient with us as we work out the kinks and try to show up on time. You know, we we just, we thank you so much. And um, we want to grow. We want to get to know God in a relationship together. Amen. 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 Thank <laughs> you.